Are you ready this morning? Yes. Open your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, I mentioned at New Year's or Christmas Eve, we'd be looking at 12 to 20. I have no idea where I came up with that. We're actually going to be looking at 12 to 40. Uh, so aren't you glad we have more verses than scheduled initially? I know you are. Can you get too much Bible? No, of course not. <laughs> now, in looking back at last year, this year I should say, how much our word has helped us through, the attributes of it that we've been studying, took my mind back to our very first examination of not just our word for 2020, but our theme verse for 2020, which was in Psalm 37, which will be our text for our time together today. Now, the opening of the words of King David in Psalm 37 were these, do not fret because of evildoers. Did we need to hear that in 2020? Yes. Yeah, we sure did. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Now, here's our theme verse for the year. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his, meaning God's faithfulness. Now, we live in a time where there are a bounty of evildoers. We are surrounded by workers of iniquity. And iniquity simply means wickedness or perverseness. And there is perverseness all around us, wickedness all around us. And I find it interesting that there are many of those who are part of our nation's legislature, our Congress specifically, who have criticized the church for being anti-science. We're anti-science. We're just a bunch of knuckleheads that don't know any better, that get together and talk about uh, a non-existent God in their minds. Now, this same group recently passed a stimulus package, which includes $13 million for Pakistan, the country that hid Osama bin Laden from us, who killed over 3,200 Americans. They sent them $13 million, or are sending them $13 million. Forget this, gender studies. Well, just send them Genesis 127. Male and female, he created them. They call us unscientific, and yet, Anybody who is at chromosome position 23, XX, is a biological male. Anyone at position 23 who is an XY is a uh, biological female, I should say. And anyone with an XY is a biological male. That's the science. But they're sending $13 million to study genders, which seems to be a growing list in our day. A couple of months ago, Nancy Pelosi criticized the president for only wanting to give Americans $2,000. She said that was an insult. Last week, she said, Americans ought to be happy because 600 bucks is a lot of money. We got some problems in Washington. There are some wicked people there. There are some perverse people there. On December 17th, a 37-year-old man in Lancaster, California, beat with an oxygen tank to death an 82-year-old woman, who he, or, or 82-year-old man who he was sharing a hospital room with, both being treated for COVID-19. Do you know why this 37-year-old man beat to death with an oxygen tank an 82-year-old man? He got sick of hearing him pray. He beat him to death for praying. Listen, the Christmas Day Nashville bombing blew up an AT&T building that was owned by a company named Cerebus Capital. 
You know what else Cerebus Capital owns? Dominion voting machines. Destroying evidence is really what that was all about. The Christian Post last week posted an article that was headlined, Franklin Graham warns socialist left will close the church down, the storm is coming. Now, I understand what he was saying, but I would interpret what he said a little bit differently and convey it a little bit differently. I don't think the storm's coming. I think the storm's here. But I would also say this. The socialist left will attempt to close the church down. They're not going to close the church down because in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to Peter, I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against us. Now listen, the left can't close the church down. The globalists can't close the church down. It's been tried for millennia. Now, they may push the church underground like many socialist countries. They may, may pursue and persecute the church like in many countries, but they cannot prevail against the church because the head of the church is the king of kings and lord of lords, and he is greater than all his adversaries. Amen. Now, there's a lot of Christians who are wondering, how bad is it going to get? Well, we already have the answer to that. We know how bad it's going to get. It's going to get so bad that the righteous on the earth are so few in number that the Lord is going to snatch them away by force in a moment and a twinkling of an eye, and then he's going to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. Now, there are people today who say within even what's called the church, to say something like that, to say that God's going to pour out his wrath on the world is inconsistent with a God of love. No, it isn't. That's exactly consistent with the God of love because the fact is love includes defending those you love. Love includes protecting those you love and your family. What kind of man would watch his bride be victimized and violently assaulted and stand there and say, you should love your enemies? That's not what Jesus is going to do. He's going to come back again, and he's not coming back as the Lamb of God uh, to take away the sins of the world. He is coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to conquer the world. Why? Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now listen this morning. I want to be careful, but I want to be clear. And I don't want anyone to take this in their thinking outside of the context or the meaning. But listen today. Much of the church has lost sight of the fact that we are the army of the Lord. And that's why Paul would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good what? Soldier of the Lord. Soldiers are in what? Soldiers are in the army. Therefore we are the army of the Lord. Listen this morning. The church is not a fraternity. Hello? The church is not a social club. The church service is not so you can get the Holy Ghost goosebumps during worship. The service is not to entertain you. We are here as the army of God for an intelligence briefing on the enemy's tactics and locations and to form a strategy to combat him. That's what we're here for today. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 says, The weapons of our warfare 
are not, I have to warn you, I might get excited today. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I've heard a lot of interpretations about that last line. What does it mean, punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled? That's pointing back to the log spec illustration that Jesus used, and that is when you've got the log out of your own eye, you can help somebody with the speck in theirs and even uh, usher discipline in in the right circumstance within the church. Now listen this morning. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus is God. We are in Him. He has given us His Spirit as a guarantee of our future inheritance. So listen, we need to quit telling ourselves or allow ourselves to be told that the church is a hospital. The church is not the hospital. The church has an infirmary, but think about that word picture. Hospitals are for the sick. And if we go around telling people that the church is a hospital, then we're telling people the church is sick. We're not sick. We're here because we've been made well. By his stripes, we have been healed. And listen, no soldier who is engaged in battle is laying in a hospital bed. And we need to quit thinking of ourselves as the weak and the vulnerable. And we need to quit thinking of ourselves like the left does as a hindrance to arriving at a better and more tolerant and even loving world. What we need to see ourselves as is what our title is today, and that is because of our relationship with Jesus, we are mighty in God. We are mighty in God. Now, I've told this story over the years a couple of times, and I thought it's so appropriate for this morning. But some years ago, I was out on a walk with uh, our dogs, and we were walking, or I was walking down a service road, and just uh, walking along with them as uh, we were enjoying the outdoors and all of that. And all of a sudden, I hear this horrendous chirping, and it's just, it's like machine gun fire. Chirp, 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 And it's just getting closer and louder and louder, and I look up, and here comes this hawk. And he goes over the six-foot chain-link fence with his aerodynamic majesty and cuts right in front of me. And I realize then he is right on the tail of a little sparrow. So I'm watching this scene, and literally, it's taking place right in front of me, not from here to the back wall, away from me, and I'm hearing this, chirp, 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 chirp. And then the hawk slowly flew away, and the chirping had stopped. Well, you know, being a Christian, I'm going to draw some kind of spiritual application out of this. <laughs> My first thought was, you need to recognize the devil is after you. And you need to make sure that you are aware of his presence and that he's hot on your tail. And then I thought, well, we need to see ourselves as, as vulnerable. We need to be aware of our, uh, our, our need for the Lord. And, we need, you know, and I'm going through all of this scene. And listen, I'm always putting myself in the position of weakness in my thought. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, that's not the story. The reason for this is you're the hawk. The sparrow is sin. You have authority. Greater is he who is in you than he who is, who is after you. You are the one who can pursue righteousness. You are the one who can pursue peace with all who are around you. You're the hawk. We are mighty in God. Amen? Amen. 
In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29, Paul says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Amen. <laughs> Come on, get on the bus. God has chosen the foolish things of the world. <laughs> You're just not going to cop to it, are you? He's talking about us. The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. Now, we've all heard that God doesn't uh, save the capable or uh, he, he enables those who are in need of him and his power. And what many seem to have forgotten is that God takes the weak and makes them into the mighty. Think about how long he's been at this. Think about Gideon. Remember Gideon in the book of Judges, he was threshing wheat in the wine press. Wheat was supposed to be threshed on the mountaintop where the winds blow every day. And all, all they would do is they'd throw the wheat, the, the heads of wheat up in the air, and the wind would naturally blow the chaff away. But because the Midianites were marauding and raiding uh, the Israelite camps and stealing their grain, he was down in the valley below where the wine press would be because who wants to carry a bunch of heavy grapes up to the top of the hill? So they built the wine presses in the valley and they built the threshing floor on the mountain. And here is Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press because he's afraid of the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. I'm thinking a mighty man of valor would be up on the threshing floor, not down in the valley in the wine press threshing wheat. But the Lord saw him as who he was going to enable him to be. He was told he would lead Israel to victory. And he said, me? <laughs> You've got to be thinking of somebody else. It's not going to be me. And then the Lord said, no, it's you. I've chosen you. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to need some fleece action here. And he puts the fleece out before the Lord. And he doubted what God had said. And then he was finally convinced of it. And what happened in the end? He led Israel to victory. Think about Peter. Peter, when he was warming himself at the fire, the night that Jesus was arrested, somebody said, hey, you've got a Galilean accent. You were hanging with Jesus, weren't you? He said, I don't even know the guy. Know nothing about him. Never been around him. And God said, I'm going to take that thrice denier and make him into a bold proclaimer. He denied me three times. The next thing I'm going to do with him after Jesus restores him, he denied me three times, but I'm going to use him to add 3,000 souls to the church when he preaches under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the first gospel message that began the church age. That's the business God is in. We are not the weak, we are the mighty. Amen. And when the Bible tells us we cannot be prevailed against by the gates of Hades, there therefore is only one moniker to hang over the life of a Christian, and that is we are mighty in God. Now, King David is going to take a look back through the years of his life and he will use the future for the righteous and the unrighteous to make his case and hopefully reroute our thinking where necessary. So are you ready? Yes. Stand and read with me, please, our opening section from Psalm 37, verses 12 through 22. Psalm 37, we'll pick up the same thing we read earlier in verses 1 through 3, at least thematically, and read 12 to 22. Verse 12. 
The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bowls shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, and those cursed by him shall be cut off. And Lord, we thank you for these words of David, and we thank you that they are not the words of a zealous young man who uh, saw the world through the lens of uh, conquest as a young king, but rather these are the words of an old man who looks back on life and prepares realities for us to study by inspiration of the Spirit. So would you give us ears to hear what is being said through King David, now as an old man, recounting things he's learned in life. We ask your aid in this, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now David makes a very important observation here as an old man, and that is that even though we cannot be separated from the love of God, amen, amen? Even though we cannot be separated from the love of God, and even though nothing or no one can snatch us from the Father's hands, the enemy plots against us. Sometimes their efforts seemingly have some temporary success. But David also reminds us that the Lord laughs at them. Now, he's referring to Psalm 2, 1 to 5, which he also penned. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. What that means is we don't want to live under the restrictions and directions and precepts and counsels of God. Let's cast those things away. Let's cut those cords away from us. He who sits in the heaven shall what? Laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And David is saying, in essence, listen, the wicked may pull their schemes off for a while, but their day is coming. And in contrast, the inheritance of the upright is forever. And the tool we're given when trying to reconcile in our thinking good things happening to bad people, and that happens all the time, right? There are some evil people who have a lot of money. Hello? Yeah. There are some evil people who have a lot of money, and there are some good people, those made good in Christ, who are struggling to make ends meet and even supply for basic necessities for their family. And it's hard to reconcile this. And David says, this is, this is what I've observed now as an old man looking back on life. It's better to have a little now in riches forever than riches now in shame forever. It's better to have a little now in riches forever than riches now in shame forever. Now, we've made the point of late more times than we can count that while the pandemic is real, yes. right? Yes. The pandemic is real. 
so too the exploitation of the pandemic by the leftists and the globalists is just as real. I read an article between services this morning that after examining some 10 million cases and the asymptomatic positive COVID cases, there is not one single case of an asymptomatic person spreading the disease. Now listen, doesn't that make sense? Isn't that consistent with every other kind of illness? Why all of a sudden is there an illness where you don't have any symptoms, but it can be spread? Listen, they're trying to get us under their submission. They want us to simply bow to them and do whatever they say. And this is all greasing the skids for the Antichrist who is going to demand everybody receive a mark on their right hand or forehead during the tribulation. Did I mention yet this morning we're not going to be here for that? Remember the great escape precedes the great tribulation. Uh, it always cracks me up. I've been accused of this more times than I can even count. Oh, you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture just because you're an escapist. You betcha. I want to escape the whole thing that's coming upon the world. And the Bible even says I should pray to be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon the whole world. Do you know today that Boko Haram in Nigeria is still with the sword slaughtering Christians? The righteous are slaughtered mercilessly, and our minds ponder, okay, where is the all things work together for good in this kind of thing? I want you to consider something, even from the plots of the wicked against the church today and the great atrocities that are happening like Boko Haram and others. Here's something we need to remember in such a time as this. Listen this morning. For the mighty in God, death is an immediate upgrade to heaven. For the mighty in God, death is an immediate upgrade to heaven. Think about the juxtaposition of the scenes we've all seen play out far too often in recent months and years. And listen, if you handcuff somebody so you can cut off their head or shoot them, you're not mighty, you're a coward. And those who are doing this to Christians in Nigeria and other places around the world, trying to get Christians to deny their faith and bow to Allah, they aren't mighty, they are cowards. The ones who are holding the knife aren't the mighty. The ones holding the sword or the gun aren't the mighty. But the ones who know that death instantaneously transports them to heaven, that's the mighty. And that's why Paul would say in Romans 8, 35 to 37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Note he says who. So he attaches a personage to the following tactics. Tribulation, distress. Who's behind tribulation and distress in the life of the saint? It's the enemy. Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, here's the course of history for Jew and, Gent or Jew and uh, Christian alike. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things, even facing death continually throughout the church age and in the history of Israel, even in these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. See, our minds have a problem reconciling. Well, he loved us, so why are we killed all day long? Now, remember the thing we mentioned last Sunday that in this life you will have tribulation. tribulation. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus. He said, but be of good cheer. Did Jesus know anything about tribulation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a bit. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome what? The world. The world, the world's efforts to destroy you. Now, we're going to have tribulation in this life. And what Paul writes in Romans tells us when those things come our way, we are not to think we've been separated from the love of God. When hard times come our way, our minds need to take captive the thought that God has forsaken us. 
or somehow, is God still in control in this pandemic? Yes. yes, absolutely. He hasn't lost control, and he hasn't lost count, and he knows exactly where all of his children are. Amen? Amen. So we cannot see ourselves as separated from the love of God because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8, we're also told, but also, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, uh, meaning patient endurance, godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were driving uh, not too long ago. I tried to get a picture, but the light changed because I would never do anything illegal while driving. No. <laughs> I wanted to get a picture. We're driving up PCH. Terry and I, sometimes when we get a, a few minutes, we like to drive uh, down PCH, just enjoy. We call the Pacific the Big Blue. It's just magnificent. It just speaks so much of God every time we see it. His vastness, his power, his authority, all those things, his creative ability. And we had stopped at a light, and I like cars. I like cars. Anybody else? Pastor Dave's hand's already in the air. I like cars. I like fast cars. I like nice cars. I like expensive cars. I like a lot of things I will never, ever have. And we pulled up at a light, and in front of me is a Bentley SUV, and I look in the rearview rear mirror, and there's a Rolls Royce. We already passed a half dozen Ferraris. I slobbered all over the window as they drove by. <laughs> and I wanted to take a picture with the one in front of me and then the rearview mirror catching the Rolls behind me, and I never got to it. But, you know, I thought about that when I read this because the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is better than any Bentley. It's better than any Rolls Royce. It's better than any Ferrari. And I may not ever have those things in this life, but someday my feet are going to walk on streets of gold in a city where each gate is a single pearl and the foundations are precious stones, 12 in number. And listen, what Peter just said is the very heart of David's statement. In spite of enemy plots, both physical and verbal, even when the devil and his team say, your being here in church makes you a super spreader and you don't care about other people. You're a fool who should be arrested. David says, be merciful and give. Be merciful and give. Be merciful. Display the attributes of, of... We're not getting ready to take an offering, by the way. That's not what the giving we're talking about. Care for those who are around you. Have a positive impact in your neighborhood by being the salt and light God has called you to be. Keep adding to your faith Christian virtues and principles for those cursed by God will be cut off and the meek, however, will inherit the earth. But listen... We can't and won't do these things if all we focus on is fear. If all we're focused on is fear, that's all we're focused on. How's that for a profundity? If all we focus on is our fear, and fear loves to consume us, fear loves to control us, then we're not thinking about reaching out to other people and giving and being merciful during this time of pandemic. Now listen, fearless is not foolish. Fearless is faithfulness. We've all sung, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Maybe we ought to, instead of singing it, maybe we ought to live like it. 
that our God is a mighty fortress. Amen? Amen. And like the mighty in God, our lives are in his hands. Or as the mighty in God, our lives are in his hands. David says the righteous are nothing like the wicked. The wicked shall perish as enemies of the Lord. Like a meadow in the spring that once blossomed, it has its moment. Its moment passes. Summer comes and what was once lush and green is now dry, brown, and dead. Now verse 19 says the upright will not be disappointed or ashamed. Disappointed is what that word means. It means it won't be dried up like the grass, which are the uh, meanings of co uh, confounded in the evil time, or means confounded also in the evil time. There's a lot of things that are confounding in this evil time right now to many, but it shouldn't be to you and I. We are the mighty in God, and since we are the mighty in God, our weapons have the power to pull down strongholds and take errant captive's thought, uh, errant uh, Thoughts captive, I'm sorry, even in times such as these. Because the devil wants to get into our head, right? He wants to get into our thought process. He wants nothing more than for us to doubt God. And David looked back on his own life and said it was so. And even when I fumbled and stumbled, God upheld me. And he does that with us too. Amen. Look at 23 through 31. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and, and am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Do I need to read that again? Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall what? Slide. Slide. Aren't you glad that our Lord is a firm foundation yes. and our feet can stand on him? King David comes at it from every angle to remind us that God is faithful. He says, listen, as an old man looking back on life, I can see that God orders the steps of those who delight in his way and the righteous are never forsaken. And he illustrates it like this. I haven't ever seen their descendants becoming beggars. Now, that doesn't mean the righteous won't temporarily go through and have hard times. Amen. Or even be hungry at times. That's why Paul said in the famed verse of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He just said, listen, I've known how to have a lot and have a little. I've known how to be full and I've known how to be hungry. And he says, I can do all those things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not that we're exempt from those things. But what it does mean is that the righteous will reap blessings through what they sow and their children will be blessed because of them. In other words, it's going to have an ongoing impact on their life, even in the midst of this evil and wicked time. We need to be the people of God. We need to be the mighty 
uh, in God people who are communicating truth in an age where no one wants to hear it. For the time will come where men will not endure sound doctrine, Paul prophesied in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it is here. Amos 8.11 talks of a time where there's a famine, not of bread or of water, but of hearing the word of God. The time has arrived. So what do we do? Do we give up? No. Do we throw in the towel? No. Do we look at ourselves as a defeated uh, person who is overwhelmed by the wickedness of the world? The answer again is no. David also adds in verse 30 that the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. And then he qualifies wisdom as justice. Now remember, God is for justice. He is a just God himself. Amen? Amen. And he is against cheating. He says a false measure or differing weights is an abomination before him, which says he doesn't want uh, any merchant cheating another by using differing weights on their scale when they measure out grain or bread or anything else because God is against cheating. It is an abomination to him. And therefore, we could say he's against Dominion voting machines. Maybe we could say that. I don't think we're going to find that's in Second Opinions, Chapter 2. You'll find that there. Now, in Acts 3, 1 through 8, listen to this beautiful story you're all familiar with. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by, you know, I think we need to pause here for a moment. I don't think Peter got a southern accent all of a sudden when he said this. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. I think he just said it conversationally. I don't have any money, but what I do have, you're about to get. In Jesus' name, stand up and walk. What happened? He took him by the right hand. He lifted him up. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, doing what? Praising. Walking, Praising. leaping, and Praising. praising God. Listen, I always get negative mail when I say the church is not a hospital. Now, if you want to send me negative mail... My email is dlandis at, <laughs> listen, the church is not a hospital. Hospitals are for the sick, as we said earlier. The church is a place where people who have been injured by life come and they are healed. And the church is for the hurting. The church is for the broken. And sometimes healing is a process for those who have been basically mauled by life. And it's not simply an instantaneous event. But we have to recognize this is why the church has an infirmary. But the whole church is not an infirmary. Amen. Active military are not in the infirmary. We are in the battle. But what we need to remember from this scene in Acts 3 is that we received the strength to walk, leap, and praise God the moment we got saved. Now, this man received strength in his ankles, and all believers have received strength in their souls. Now, we need to note that King David said in verse 27, Depart from evil and do good for good. 
In other words, let what happened to you continue on through life. And that's a portrait, obviously, of repentance. And this is a much needed reminder for us to draw from these comparisons of the destinies of the righteous and the wicked that David gives us. And here's our reminder, timely in 2020, timely in California. And it's just this, listen, the mighty in God are not under the control of the wicked. The mighty in God are not under the control of the wicked. Now, when the righteous fail to follow the steps ordered by the Lord, they are not utterly cast down. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. When the wicked speak injustice, the mighty in God speak justice. In other words, we don't just say, stay silent and let them continue to speak injustice. When the wicked speak injustice, the mighty in God speak justice. When the wicked are cut off from God's blessing, the mighty in God are not. For the Lord loves justice and he does not forsake his saints. Now in 1 John 4, 2-6. John the Beloved says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, say every spirit. Every spirit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. What that phrase simply means is that he is Emmanuel. He was God when he got here. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak, of, uh, speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now remember, Antichrist means either against Christ or instead of Christ. And there are many people in places of power and influence in our country and world today who are against Christ. And we are not of them, Amen. is what John says. We're not of them. There are different categories, so to speak. Therefore, we are not controlled by them because we are of God. And being of God means that we are mighty in God for pulling down enemy strongholds of fear, intimidation, and even threats of death, which sometimes become realities. Now remember, this has always been true for the church. Even looking back to the very early church in Acts chapter 4, after the healing of the man at the gate, beautiful, in Acts 4, 23 to 20, uh, 31, rather, we're told, and being let go, we'll uh, uh, give you the backstory here in a moment, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, or two government leaders, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look, now Lord, look on their threats. Do you know it's okay to pray that the Lord would look on those who are threatening us? Apparently not, but you do know now. 
Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke what? How? With boldness. Listen, this is what the mighty in God do. We don't cower when we're threatened. Amen. We don't cower when we're threatened. We don't bow to intimidation. Now the church had heard from the apostles that the chief priests and elders told them, don't teach in the name of Jesus. You cannot teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they prayed that God would look upon the threats that were made and that they would have the boldness to preach in the name of Jesus anyway. Jesus is the word. Amen. He was God and was with God. And they added that we can not only have boldness to speak your word, but you would give the things necessary to confirm, if necessary, signs and wonders to be done through the church in the holy name of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people over the years who have said, you know, if only God would do more miracles, more people would believe. Well, Jesus healed whole towns of people and he wound up on a cross and they didn't believe him. So listen, this whole signs and wonders thing that is moving today, if it's not confirming God's word and people aren't being added to the kingdom, then we need to be very careful of such movements. And listen, that's what the signs were for. They were for the confirmation of the authority of the word of God. God still can do anything. Amen. He still heals. Amen. He can still raise the dead. He can still give sight to the blind. He can still do all those things. But we as the church need to remember that those things are not for our entertainment. They are for the enrichment of the word of God that the implanted word may be received, which is able to save men's souls. Now, this is what David sees as he looks back on life and even recognizes his own mistakes as he remembers his own victories. He says, God had ordered my steps, and when I didn't take him, the Lord didn't utterly cast me down, but he upheld me with his hand. Now, it's important for us to know, too, that when the church was threatened that they should not preach in the name of Jesus, they also remember the words of King David from Psalm 2 where he said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Uh, don't you find yourself struggling with the understanding of that? How, how can anybody not see how wonderful God is and how great God is and his creative majesty as we look around and see the stars and so many saw a planetary alignment and uh, called it the Christmas star not too long ago. Everybody was talking about it. There were pictures all over the media, we talked and dealt with this a little bit on Christmas Eve, next to what actually happened on that night when the wise men were guided. It was the Shekinah glory of God uh, who was leading as a light in the sky. That was nothing new. There's an Old Testament precedent for that. But how could anybody reject God? How could people see Jesus heal, raise the dead, 
touch a leper and make them whole and do all the incredible things that he did. Feed uh, 5,000 men plus women and children with one boy's sack lunch of five barley cakes and two probably sardine-sized fish. How could anybody deny that he was the Christ, the son of the living God? And the evidence is all around us here today. And again, like I said earlier, we're the ones that are being accused of being unscientific because we believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All the evidence is there to support it. Amen. Elementary particles, self-arranging into organic materials, cannot ever happen in a trillion, trillion years. So who's unscientific? It's not us. Saying that the universe can create itself, how is that different from saying that there is an intelligent designer, so to speak, who spoke all things into existence? I think one has more credibility than the other and more proof and is more testable than the other. Amen? Amen? Now listen, we would be saying the same thing and can be praying the same thing. Why are the nations raging? Why are people in places of power so anti-church today? But here's the thing we need to recognize. When we're threatened, personally, there's an element of the unknown associated with that. When somebody threatens you, what's your mind going to do? Is, are they serious? I mean, are they going to go, are they going to carry through with this threat? Somebody, you know, picked up a stick or they've got a club or they're threatening me or, you know, our minds are going, how's this going to play out? How's this going to play out? Because we don't know what's coming next. But listen, here's what we need to remember. When somebody threatens the church, they threaten Jesus and we know what's going to happen every time that happens. Amen. He's going to win. Amen. 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 He's going to win. How many times? Every time. There is a guaranteed outcome and we are his people. And we are the mighty in God through him. Now consider the words of Deuteronomy 21 through 4. And I know this applies to Israel, but there's a point in it for us. The Lord says through Moses, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, are there more on the left than there are of us today? Yes. Yeah, we are far outnumbered. Do not be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord your God is with you. And then he gives an example of why they can have such a level of trust. Who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Pointing them back to the death angel, the Passover, and the sparing of them from encountering the last seven plagues. All those things. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Does the Lord change? So he's fighting for us too, isn't he? Now the physicalness of these verses might be different for Israel than for us, ancient Israel that is. And God is protecting Israel today as well. Amen. Amen. He is the actual Iron Dome that is protecting the nation of Israel against a constant barrage of Palestinian rockets fired into the southern portion of that uh, nation that God has created. Now, even though the literalness of the defense element there may be different for us, the Lord is literally with us. And since he is literally with us, we shouldn't let our hearts faint. Amen. We should not be afraid. We should not tremble or be terrified because we are on the verge of battle with the enemies of the church in America like never before. Listen, the mighty and God are not controlled by the wicked. 
and their plots against us are vain things. They will not prevail against God's church. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at 32 to 40 and I'll let you go. The wicked watches the righteous. Contact tracers. <laughs> and seeks to... Seeks, I've had so many people say, you know what? I don't want to get tested because then they're going to have my record. Amen. What a day we live in. Come get us, Jesus. Yes. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in him. Time and again, David points our minds and hearts to the future, contrasting the eternal destinies of the wicked with the righteous. The wicked seek to slay the righteous, yet the Lord will not leave the fate of the righteous in the hands of the wicked. Now remember what he established in the preface psalm, the first psalm, Psalm 1. In 5 and 6 he said, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Perish. Perish. Now listen, I have to say that knowing our, fu our future habitation does not include the evils of this day is very encouraging. To know that things are going to be completely different someday and they're going to be completely different forever is very encouraging. The ways of the ungodly will not only lead to their perishing, but their ways, practices, and habits are going to perish as well. Therefore, David says, wait on the Lord and keep his way. Wait on the Lord and do the things that he has instructed us to do. You will see your inheritance when the wicked are cut off. Now, it's hard to keep that in mind when things are growing so dark and the pressures are real and great, and the proximity of adversary advances is so close to us. And David says, I've seen the wicked in places of power spreading their influence like a tree in the spring, a shade tree in the spring, over the land, yet they died, and there was no more evidence of their existence anywhere to be found. He says, when evil men are in power, mark, meaning take note of a blameless man and observe the upright. Now that implies that we need to be together. Hello? Amen. We need to be together. We need to mark. We need to follow after. That's why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what we need to be doing today. We need to be together. We need to be strengthening one another. Iron sharpens iron. We need to be doing all the things that are helpful to us collectively. Now, here's the last thing I want to share with you here this morning. The last of our three points of observation. Here's why those things we just mentioned are important. The mighty in God are those who trust in almighty God. The mighty in God are those who trust in almighty God. 
David said, all these things, the Lord shall help them, the Lord shall deliver them, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. And this is what makes us the mighty in God. We have the all-powerful, almighty, everlasting, unchanging, immovable, completely able, promised provider and protector, omnipresent, omnipotent God, omniscient God on our side, and our enemies do not, they are against him. We need to remember the devil is no match for God. Amen. He is not his evil equal. He is a created being, and when his time comes, God is going to say, the lake of fire for you forever. And there will be an eternal separation of good and evil. And through Jesus, we'll be living where things aren't just good, things are great. And they will be forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now listen, where's everything headed? It's headed to global Satan worship. That's where things are going. We know that from Revelation 13, 8. Those who dwell on the earth will worship him. Him is the Antichrist. Revelation 13 says, who has received his power from the dragon, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The object of man's worship during the tribulation is Satan. The earth will be filled with Satan worshipers during that time. And this man of power, the final Antichrist, will be the man the devil has been trying to put into power to steal, kill, and destroy the souls of men. And the world is going to go after him and worship him because of a full miracle that happens during the tribulation that an image created by man is seemingly brought to life by the Antichrist. And because of this, they'll receive a mark on their hand or forehead so they can buy or sell. Is the vaccine greasing the skids for that? can't fly unless you have a health card or a vaccine card. You know, we're watching all these things develop. And by the way, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Where'd you go? The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. You know why? There's no beast. He happens during the tribulation. He cannot come to power until we're gone. So the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, but it is preparing the world mentally we're accepting a government directive for the greater good of humanity. The world is going to worship Satan during the tribulation. But did I mention we're going to be gone when all of that happens? So things are going to get darker. Things are going to get tougher. The Bible says it will be so. But we're going to escape the time of tribulation that's going to come upon the whole world when we meet with the dead in Christ the Lord in the air. Well, listen, between now and then, remember, you're the hawk. You're not the weak. You're the mighty. You're the one empowered with the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And greater is he who is in you than he who is out there in the world. Somebody say, Amen. Father, we are grateful for our time and your matchless word today. And we thank you for King David and writing such a beautiful psalm. Lord, even in the midst of all the tough things that were within it, God, we thank you that you are uh, still the same as you have been throughout the course of all history. And that includes being 
uh, one who takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So Lord, we live in an evil day and we see so many wicked things being protected and promoted and governments plundering people and, and making the poor poorer and giving away money to other countries that uh, is not theirs to give, but is our tax money and all, all these other perversions of what true justice is we see. But Lord, we thank you that there's nobody beyond your reach. So we pray for Gavin Newsom. We pray he would come to faith in Christ. We pray for Nancy Pelosi. We pray she would come to faith in Christ. We pray for Chuck Sumer. Lord, we pray for California because it seems like so many people practicing wickedness are coming from this state. So we pray for our nation. We pray for our country. We pray for our county. We pray that a great move, Lord, uh, in the hearts and minds of leaders would happen by your Holy Spirit, a great awakening amongst them. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you remind us that you are unwilling that any should perish. So Lord, help us to be merciful and give the truth to those who hate us, even as David admonished us to do today. So we thank you for our time together. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that we're not the weak. We might be the meek, but we're not the weak. And therefore, Lord, help us to pray like the first century church did when they were told by those in authority not to preach in Jesus' name. And we're being told not to obey the word of God today. So help us to speak the truth and to do so in love. And we pray that your power, the power of your spirit, would enable us to be bold in doing so. We give you thanks and honor in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.